Welcome to Not Another Podcast, where we cover the latest trends and research in online learning, educational technology, and instructional design. I'm your host, Brittany Robinson from notanotherbrittany.com. I'm an instructional experience designer, an e-learning strategist working at the intersection of education and technology, and I specialize in tech courses, coding boot camps, and software engineering apprenticeships for virtual, blended, and online learning experiences. So we're already on episode three, Can You Believe It? This week, we hop into the time machine and envision the future of learning. Will we throw out the grade book? Will the traditional classroom be replaced by the metaverse and virtual reality? Will teachers be replaced by artificial intelligence? What disruptive trends are happening in learning and development, and how will those trends impact the future of education? This is a major topic to unpack, so I am thrilled that I don't have to unpack it alone. I will be joined today by my friend, colleague, and special guest for today's episode, Francis DeMarcos. Francis DeMarcos is a freelance instructional designer and graphic and website designer. She runs a Christian Facebook group with her wife and is the co-founder of Stewardship Press. She began her career in instructional design, graphic and web design, two years ago after working on, as an online educator. Just this year, her publishing company, Stewardship Press, opened and published their first book in the month of August 2022. She's a lifelong learner who is passionate about design and making education more accessible to all people. In her own words, I am a Christian, the wife of an author, a mother to four amazing children, and an entrepreneur. When I'm not busy learning new things and making a difference in education, I enjoy spending time with my family, exploring Portugal, where Francis currently lives, and binge watching my favorite shows with my beautiful wife. You can learn more about Frances and what she and her family are doing in the design world, as well as on her grace-filled Facebook group and in the books that Stewardship Press is publishing. Check her out on the following websites, sites.google.com forward slash view forward slash F DeMarcos ID, sites.google.com forward slash view forward slash Stewardship Press, and Facebook where you can find her Christian faith-based Facebook group at All Are Loved by Grace, as well as Jesus Loves All of Us. You can find all of the links to Francis's various websites at the bottom of this post. So Francis, I'm really excited to discuss today's topics with you because like me, you are also an American who has lived abroad. I used to live in Australia, New Zealand. You currently live in Portugal with your family. And I think as instructional designers, we can both draw from our experiences with the educational systems in both the United States and abroad to really provide that unique perspective to this nuanced topic. Um, so for the listeners who may not know, at the time of recording this podcast, which is September 2022, we are facing a massive teacher shortage here in the United States. According to the 74million.org and Annenberg Institute at Brown University, most of the shortages are unfortunately in the South, which, Francis, I know that includes states that you and I have both lived at very recently yes. in the United States. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of complex reasons behind this teacher shortage. And 
I'll be honest, I won't get into most of those during this podcast because not all of them relate to instructional design, but two causes that do relate to education include a decline in the number of undergraduate degrees in teacher education programs, and there's also an insufficient number of teaching degrees in STEM fields specifically, and that's according to the Hill.com's article, Here's What's Driving the Nationwide Teacher Shortage. So with this being an instructional design podcast, of course, this teacher shortage directly impacts our field, um, you know, not just the education field, but also we have a lot of teachers who are interested in transitioning to the instructional design field. And there was actually an article that came out recently from the Wall Street Journal. Um, it was their article called Schools Out for the Summer, and many teachers are calling it quits. And in that article, they said 300,000 K-12 teachers left the teaching field, and that's just so far during this pandemic. That's more than half a million teachers from an industry that was already understaffed. And that's just the number that we know of that have left during the last two years. That's nuts to think about. Yeah, it really is crazy. I mean, and I think that the teacher shortage, you know, I mean, and I think we'll talk more about this as we go on, but um, like you said, it has a lot of causes and some of that relating to uh, lack of flexibility in uh, education for teachers um, and just the conditions that they're working under. Definitely. Yeah, there's there's a lot of just different reasons that are at play here. So I don't think that one single solution is going to solve that problem. Um, one thing that's really interesting to me is as we see a lot of these teachers shifting over to instructional design, we also, at the same time, are seeing the rise of artificial intelligence, machine learning, the metaverse. And so there's been some talk about how that could impact the classroom. Um, it's really intriguing to me, actually, that all of this is happening at the same time. It makes me wonder what the future of K-12 education is going to look like. Um, so the Association for the Advancement of Computing and Education actually wrote an article about this last October in 2021, and it was called How AI and Machine Learning Are Transforming the Education Sector. And they actually estimated that by 2025, which is not that far away, AI, <laughs> I know it's like, right, right around the corner, AI powered education will be at least a $5.8 billion industry and it will just continue to grow from there. Um, now, I don't know, Francis, if you have any experience with machine learning, AI, um, the metaverse, um, but you know, I, I could name several examples right now that our listeners may not even realize that they've probably used um, and they've probably you know done some online learning that was either impacted by machine learning and artificial intelligence or maybe they've they've done something on the metaverse without even realizing it um, what about you what's your experience been with those technologies yeah i think it's more common than people realize and um, i know that i have used several different um, different applications and sites and things like that that utilize those things. Um, and it's really uh, a benefit looking forward to the future of education. 
Um, I, one thing that's kind of similar to that actually is um, a program that uh, my daughter is going to be using um, that they use uh, technology that can through the activities and the assessments that the kids do, assess gaps in their learning, and then response to that by giving them additional resources and lessons to help close those gaps and to um, give them a more solid foundation in those topics that they're struggling with. Nice. So this sounds kind of like adaptive learning, almost like a kind of like what Dreambox is doing here in the U.S. for K-12 education, where um, it looks at each individual learner and based on the level that that learner is at, it gives them personalized content. Is that kind of what, what your daughter is experiencing there in Portugal? Yeah, it definitely gives a, a more personalized experience and really allows, I mean, look, if we look at education, if you have a whole class of students, all those students are not going to be on the same exact level, even though they're in the same class. So if, you know, if you have students that are struggling with some topics or students that are excelling with other topics, like I know another part of their, um, how they do their system and stuff is that if a student is getting you know, answers right, and it's showing that they're uh, proficient with a, with a topic and that they understand the topic, then rather than having them continue to do more and more activities and more and more quizzes and stuff like that, it'll let them move on from that so that they can move on to other things, which gives them the time to work on things that maybe they're struggling with more without having to really extend, extend their amount of time that they're, you know, spending doing schooling. Excellent. Yeah, that this kind of reminds me of a, a technology that I've used here in the United States uh, as a corporate ID, and it was called Pluralsight. Um, and Pluralsight actually has an artificial intelligence algorithm that if a learner takes an assessment or a quiz, it looks at the learner's previous answer and if they got the answer right or wrong and how rapidly they came to the correct or the false answer. And then based on that, it auto-generates the next question for the learner. So no two learners have the exact same quiz. Nobody has the exact same assessment. It's all personalized by the learner. And then based on their answers, that determines if the next question is going to be more difficult or easier. So it helps gauge um, not only the person's skill competency, but what level of curriculum they should actually be receiving, even though they all might be in the same class. Uh, is that something, is that similar to what your daughter is experiencing? Yes, yeah. And it's awesome because it it helps students to be able to really get a good foundation of the knowledge and not have to you know, we don't want students struggling, you know, and then that just makes them feel bad and, you know, makes them, discourages them from learning and, um, and makes them disinterested in education. But we also, you know, when students are doing really, really well, you don't want them to be bored or to be, 
you know, losing interest because they already understand the stuff or they already know the information and they're having to continue doing the same, doing something that they already understand. Wow. I just, I think back to what education was like when I was going through school and how standardized everything was and how difficult that was for, you know, think about the nervous test takers and think about, um, you know, even I know we talk a lot about neurodiversity, neurodivergence, all learners have unique needs. And it's really interesting and very promising to me to hear about all of these technologies that are making it possible now for us to have such an advanced level of not just adaptive learning, but of personalization and really needing each learner exactly where they are and giving them exactly what they need out of that online material. Yeah, especially in a day and age where um, neurodivergence is so prevalent. Um, and, you know, I think that if you, if you just continue with the status quo and just, you know, everybody's in this class, so everybody's going to get the same exact material with no personalization, you know, it really leaves a lot of people out, leaves a lot of people behind. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have that saying in America of no child left behind, but quite frankly, a lot of children do still get left behind, but it's promising that we do have this technology out there. If used in the right way, it could help address some of those issues. Um, for those who are listening, if you're not sure if you've used a technology like this in the past, probably the most ubiquitous common example that I can think of is the language learning app Duolingo. If you have used that app, um, think about how many people it can reach, right? 300 million learners in 30 plus languages around the world. You cannot have one teacher in a classroom who is able to reach that many people and single-handedly personalize all of that content to all 300 million people. But with help from artificial intelligence and machine learning, we are able to do that. And that's exactly what Duolingo does. It's, it's tech ed, but it's scalable in ways that are just not possible with analog traditional education. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Stewardship Press a Christian-owned, women-owned publishing company that focuses on books led and inspired by God. At Stewardship Press, the goal is to encourage you spiritually. Through their books, they want to bring you closer into fellowship with God, teach you about scripture, and spread the good news of grace. Stewardship Press exclusively publishes Christian books for children and adults. You can find their latest release, Fruitful Friday, on their website, sites.google.com forward slash view forward slash stewardship press. If teachers are open to this technology, you can use AI to custom tailor the lessons to each learner based upon their previous answers, and you can ensure that each person in that class is getting the content that they need. Um, would you agree with that, Francis? Yeah, I definitely would. I mean, I don't, I don't really see it replacing teachers, but it's a good tool to help um, 
teachers to be able to give students more personalized education, to um, relieve some of the pressure on teachers, because I think teachers are generally working really hard to try and provide all of their students with the best education they can and to help students that are struggling and to give students that are maybe a little more advanced, you know, opportunities. But, you know, as one teacher in a class of 20 or 30 or 40 students, I mean, how difficult is that? You know, if we can use some of this technology to help teachers to automate some of this and to be able to provide students with that varied and personalized instruction without, you know, them having to try and do 20 things at once, <laughs> I think that that will really go a long way and really improve not only the teacher's experience, but also the student's experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think so too. And I know there are some countries where teachers are very highly paid. Um, unfortunately, the country where I live currently, America, is not one of those countries. Um, teachers are notoriously underpaid here. Uh, and I saw a statistic, which I believe is actually um, specific to teachers in America, that educators spend more than 50% of their time on the job performing activities that have nothing to do with teaching. And that actually comes from the Association, the Association for the Advancement of Computing and Education. A lot of those types of tasks could actually be automated through artificial intelligence, and that would free up the teacher's time. Um, so you can think about, you know, just different ways that we can get creative and use machine learning and AI. And we already do use this in classrooms. You know, some teachers have digital assistants. There's the adaptive learning software that we've been talking about. There's recommendation engines, um, as well as any type of STEM curriculum. You really need to be using more of these modern technologies if you're teaching STEM. Um, and analyticsinsight.net actually has a great list of ideas for how we could pull more of these technologies into the classroom. Um, another thing is that e-learning industry, a really well-respected name in the instructional design field, says that 47% of learning management tools will actually be enabled by artificial intelligence, will have some form of AI capability within the next two years, which is just mind-blowing to think about how rapidly this technology is scaling up and going mainstream. Um, and then the last statistic here that I found was the journal.com reports that 86% of educators believe that technology should be a core part of education. So it's not necessarily that educators are not willing. Um, we maybe just need a little bit more support in getting there, right? You've got 86% of people are open to this idea. 50% um, of their time could actually be automated so that they can spend more time doing what they love. How do we get from point A to point B? Yeah, I think that's the key is buy-in. I mean, if you can show, you know, teachers how this is going to benefit them and help them, um, in the short term and in the long term and show parents and students the benefits on their side as well. Um, I think that in the end, most everyone is going to agree that this is going to be 
much more beneficial and is only going to help things moving forward into the future. And um, it's going to put everybody in a better in a better situation as far as education goes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really going to be watching this closely. I know you and I have, have talked offline about artificial intelligence and some of the, um, you know, AI generators that are out there that you can use for creativity or you can use to generate verbiage or imagery for your online courses. Um, there's just so much out there that is possible now that was not possible just a couple years ago. Um, so I'll be very curious to see how this continues to scale in the years to come. Um, speaking of scalability, another thing that I wanted to touch on related to education was massive open online courses or MOOCs. Um, most of us have at least heard of this term if we haven't already taken a massive online uh, course. Um, so there was a podcast episode that I was listening to recently. It's the Physics Alive podcast, which Honestly, I was never good at physics, but I think it's a very interesting topic. And even if you're not a physics buff, even if you don't know the first thing about physics, I can tell you firsthand, this is worth listening to. They have some of the most interesting guests on this podcast. And one of the episodes that I listened to recently was The Future of Education with Jeff Young. And I will, I will actually link to this podcast episode down in the uh, post below this uh, podcast. So Jeff Young is a former Harvard fellow who is now a reporter and he focuses exclusively on technology for education. Just to be honest, if you think about it, most of the original MOOCs were created by esteemed professors at those traditional universities. So we've got edX that was created by Harvard and MIT. Coursera was created by Stanford. Um, it's, there are times when it makes sense to put a course online and put it out there to the masses through this, this platform. So if you're teaching something that's highly skill-based, if it lends itself well to a practical area like STEM courses, computer programming, engineering, um, anything that is a good fit for self-directed learning, that can always work well as a MOOC. Um, but there are certainly other types of courses that may need to be a little bit more guided from an instructor that wouldn't scale quite as well. One thing that comes to mind for me is music, right? Um, if, the, if the instructor needs to actually listen to how the students are playing an instrument to know if they're picking up on it properly, that may not work as well as, say, computer programming or coding. Um, so do I think that they'll replace universities? No, but do I think that universities will have to start adopting this approach in order to stay relevant? I really do. I think that that is going to be part of the future. Um, Francis, do you have any thoughts on, on MOOCs? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's like what we were talking about before about um, the AI and the machine learning. You know, it's another tool. Um, and I think that it, it has a purpose and then more uh, traditional, you know, the education um, area, universities and things like that. I mean, they have their purpose too, and they're a little bit different. Um, but I think you're right about, you know, there are some things that lend themselves better to that kind of learning. 
And then there are other things that you really need um, some more, you know, a teacher, professor, um, some more interaction that really needs to be on a person to person basis rather than um, just something that's more online or self-led. Definitely agree. And I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there that all of these technologies are tools in a toolbox and not every tool makes sense for every situation. So we as instructional designers and educators have to be uh, very strategic and think about which tool makes the most sense or if any of these tools make sense for a given situation and, and choose wisely. But don't just implement technology because you heard that it was cool or you heard it was the next big thing. Um, I see that I like a lot with- you said there, choose wisely. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I, I do think that that's what it is. You know, I mean, <laughs> you're not gonna use, you know, a wrench to hammer a nail in. You know what I mean? So, and it's the same thing with these things. You really have to, you know, look at what your goals are and what you're trying to do and what technology is going to benefit you and help you do that in an easier way, in a way that's going to be more beneficial to you and your students and go from there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I see a lot, especially right now at the time of this recording, of course, it's September 2022. There's this big um, hype around virtual reality and everyone is rushing to determine how they can implement virtual reality into their course or the metaverse. You know, thanks to Facebook changing their name, everyone's really curious about how they can implement metaverse technologies into their courses. And the thing is, not every course needs that. Some courses, sure, but it's not always a solution that makes sense for every situation. So you really want to understand what the technology is and what it's used for, and then make that strategic decision based upon your learners and what they need from your course. Definitely agreed, definitely agreed. Um, you know, I, I, some experience with that, I, I got uh, my children a, um, it's like piano lessons, but it's, um, but it's self-paced, you know, through video lessons and stuff like that. Now, I'm not so concerned because the, uh, the woman who runs it, music teacher, she, um, is very, very interactive online and like writing all the people all the time. And she runs a Facebook group for all the students and stuff. So, and they can post like videos of them playing and things like that. Um, but, you know, without that interaction, just to be a self-paced course for something like music, you know, if there wasn't that interaction from her, I would be concerned about how effective it would be for them to be taking that course because I mean if you don't have some instruction on a topic like that you know someone giving you feedback and listening to what you're playing and things like that then you know I think it it maybe becomes a little more difficult. Yeah I would say so too just thinking back to music classes that I had throughout K-12 education um, I just, I really don't know how how well that would work without that some level 
of interaction or review or, or just guidance from a professor. Um, now, here's the thing, though, is, you know, if, if you've got a student who's very advanced, very accelerated, like my husband is a, um, a saxophone player, and he, I don't know if you know this, actually, Francis, because um, you know my husband. <laughs> um, he had made it to state finals uh, for saxophone, for playing saxophone. And so he's the type of person that, yeah, he can go on YouTube and uh, follow along with a tutorial and pick up a new instrument or learn without having guidance. He can do it self-directed. But um, but I think that's not going to be, absolutely not going to be a, a good learning experience for myself. I don't have the musical talent for that. Um, but not all learners are going to want that. Some learners are going to want more of that guided experience. And so you need to just really know who your your target audience is, who are your learner personas and what are they looking for? And then design your course with the technology that best supports them. I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about in today's world, what learners really need is a personalized learning experience. So if, you know, just like you were saying about that, for some people, certain things are going to work and they can have something that's a little more self-directed and that doesn't have as much guidance, but then other people might need more guidance and might need more interaction and things like that. So, I mean, it really... I think that utilizing the technology that's out there and the technology that's, you know, the new technology is coming is really the best way to provide people with a more personalized experience. This way we make sure that, you know, no one's left behind out of education. That's all that I have for you today. Thank you for listening to the podcast and check back next week for our next episode.